You know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. Hey, the wait's over. We're back. Um, I may sound a little sad about saying that. It has nothing to do with you, trust me. It's just that it was a very short week. I wonder why is it every week we choose to go on vacation winds up being the shortest week of the year. Just doesn't seem to be fair to me. But we're back. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith in the uh, cool uh, confines of the golf cave at Otter Creek. And together uh, we are those weekend golf guys. Of course, uh, intrepid producer Mark couldn't see fit to go the same week on vacation. Everybody else went. He's got to be different, so he's not here. <laughs> so there you go. You know what? He was uh, he was telling me that he wanted a full two weeks away uh-huh. from the uh, the show. So if he took uh-huh. different than the week you took, he's like, "All right, this this works. My compensation package just got better." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll have a little bit of a uh, an executive meeting when he does return, should he have the guts to return. Um, a lot of great stuff coming up. Um, we we just want to do a little uh, official business here. One is that you need to go to audioboom.com at your earliest possible convenience. It's a brand new thing there called Golf Talk American Network. And uh, we are, uh, have always been powered by Golf Talk America. We're a proud member of the network and uh, do suggest that you check it out because it's a beautiful thing. And that way, if you ever are not at your radio, when we come on, you have missed nothing. No more need to say, oh, my goodness, I forgot to listen to those guys. And that's Audio Boom. Audioboom.com, Golf Talk America Network, or simply go to or search for those weekend golf guys because we are there in all our resplendent glory. So check it out. Also, uh, you can find us now because of that on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. I love it. We are basically everywhere everywhere. you would ever need to be. Yeah. Yeah, we have decided to join with the, um, the, the younger generation that does not want anybody to tell them when they have to do something. Well, it's complete uh, freedom, right? It is. It is. You listen where you want, when you want, how you want, on whatever device you want, because we're on all of them. Okay. So that being said, how's your golf game been? I understand you had a couple of Smith girls in a, a state championship. How'd they do? You know what? I had, I had one. The other one, um, she decided that she would go uh, water skiing a few days beforehand. Never been water skiing before. Didn't realize just how stiff and sore water skiing will make you. <laughs> so there was a few days beforehand where all of a sudden she was not able to walk very well, certainly couldn't swing a golf club, and we're like, that's ah, great. Right in yeah. front of the state tournament, state open. So yeah. Paige did not get to go, and um, but Caroline played, and she was uh, – she was seven over on day one. Um, she forgot her rangefinder, and uh, the golf course was not well marked to the center of the greens like she thought because all the sprinkler heads that she was looking at were all marked to the front. So she kept coming up short a lot. Mm. So seven over on day one. I go caddy four on day two, bring the rangefinder. Next thing you know, even par. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think uh, she had a. Her caddy the first day obviously wasn't up to par, as they say. Well, I was uh, the her caddy on the first day was non-existent. I was teaching in Chicago, ah, uh, at Olympia gotcha. Fields with uh, 
a, a top 100 teacher, Mr. E.A. Tischler, and we were, uh, we were helping out a group of people having a good time, and uh, so I, I decided to do that instead of lug a bag for two days in a row. And let me ask you a question about rangefinders since you brought them up. Yeah. Do, do most rangefinders, do they take into consideration loft? Like if you're, if you're shooting a flag that's on a green that's 20 feet above where you are, is, yeah. is the yardage, does that yardage take into consideration that elevation change or do you still have to add that? Um, most rangefinders will not because the USGA does not allow that. But there are oh, a few okay. on the market that do in, uh, involve the slope and it'll okay. tell you. And the trouble is, is that those rangefinders are not, not legal in tournaments. Yeah. Even though if it has a switch that you could turn it off, much like um, cell phones, smartphones are illegal in tournaments because even though you might be using it as a GPS, mm -hmm. uh, that device still has the ability to tell the golfer, you know, give a, give a golfer more advice or things about right. how they do things. And right. The USGA is just kind of a little bit antiquated in certain aspects because if the thing's up 4% and it'll, it'll do the math for you, it's still, everybody has a chance to buy one of those types versus the other, and it gives right. them better information. Yeah. And information is information. Well, that rule the USGA has about, that I never knew about, about uh, uh, getting advice or taking advice or giving advice or whatever. Yeah. When, when they wrote the rule, they were thinking person to person. But right. you, can, you can have that other person giving advice supplanted and replaced by a cell phone. That's right. You know, somebody, you know, your golf coach could be walking along the sidelines uh, in a golf tournament texting you and you could yeah. check everything all the time or, or your sports psychologist could be there, you know, texting you, you know, keeping you calm, doing things that are, you know, giving you information, but it's supposed to be about the player yeah, and, and their own abilities to do it. And, you know, without an awful lot of help, but yet they still allow caddies who can also be your swing coach or your sports psychologist all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, there's, there's so much going on there that it's, it's hard to keep it all straight. I understand the purpose. I really do. Let's see how well the player can do on their own. If that's the case, then the caddy shouldn't be allowed to speak. You know, <laughs> a bunch of mimes out there. <laughs> how funny would that be? Got a bunch of mimes well, how to read greens. <laughs> yeah. The, the getting out of the box so it would put a whole new spin on that whole yeah. routine. It would be terrible. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking with Jeff about uh, numerous uh, quick fix tips uh, throughout the course of the next hour. Do hope you hang out with us because we are those weekend golf guys and we're very worthwhile hanging out with. Trust us on this and we'll be right back. And welcome back, those weekend golf guys. John Ashton here, Jeff Smith there. There being, of course, the Otter Creek Golf Course, plain and simple golf school. You were telling me last night, man, you had a, a group of um, engineers, Japanese engineers, uh -huh. who were not only um, concerned about actually hitting the ball better, but they wanted to know like the physics behind how it happened or why oh, yeah. it happened or whatever. I love working <laughs> with the engineers. They're awesome. Because, those guys think in math, man. I mean, well, they do, you know, and that's the – it's good for them, you know, and they 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 love to talk about the fact that everything in the world is math. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I and I understand that, but I'm a normal human being, and I think that the world's made up of an awful lot of things that don't have to be discussed in terms of math. <laughs> right. 
So anyway, with working with the engineers, you know, they're always looking for the flight of the ball and where does it start and how does it curve and all that stuff. So here I am talking to them and all I do is throw out every once in a while, I throw out a term that they like, you know, some physics term. And okay. I'll, I'll use the word angle, you know, and I'm like, okay, descent of angle and we'll talk about friction and they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I know the formula for friction. <laughs> right, they do. And they're like... <laughs> It's like holding out a piece of candy to a kid. You know? <laughs> you get all excited. It's hilarious. But, you know, they're talking about how, you know, I'm going through the, the, the routine on, on how that they can understand how golf balls will leave the face, you know. And so I don't talk about swinging motion. I talk about the traveling direction of the club as it touches the ball. Mm-hmm. And they get that. I'm like, okay, it's going to travel in, let's just say it's in this direction, and we point toward a, a thing. Right. And then I say, well, when I turn the club face to the right of that direction, but yet I still move the club in this direction, where does the ball start? And they're like, oh, it all starts to the right. I'm like, yes. And then what if I still move the club in this direction and if I turn the club face to the left? And then they all go, oh, yes, it starts to the left. I'm like, of course it does. And then I show them by sliding the club on the ground. So that way they don't think that the swing is an influence when we're trying to talk about whether the ball is influenced more by the direction of the traveling of the club or more influenced by the face position of the club and so then they get it is that the face position is far more important to the starting direction of the ball and then they get it because i'm just sliding it on the ground they watch it you know go in a certain place plus so you get to use the word angle more i do yeah i do and they love that like i said it's just you know it's like candy yeah the kids are going to candy store they talk about angles and you know guy asked me about the geometry of the swing and I'm like, well, we're still talking about impact first. So let's not discuss swings for a second. Cause good sidestep, buddy. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so let's keep this in a big picture. If you see your ball starting off in a direction you don't like, you're going to have to turn the face into the direction you do like. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, and it would also be really helpful. So it wouldn't spin a whole lot. You know, if you would actually swing in that direction too. Like, whoa, because we talked about friction, you know, you, know you, right. swipe, you swipe something across the back of something and it starts to rotate in the opposite direction. You know, like uh, if you've got a ball on your finger and you're trying to spin it, you know, like yeah. a basketball, you yeah. know, you're swiping across it and your hand's moving to the right and the ball spins around, rotates toward the left. I'm like, yeah, that's why it curves left. And then if I swipe across it, you know, to the left and it spins to the right and they go, oh, that's why it curves the right. I'm like, yes. So they're like, so you mean to tell me that I don't have to worry about my swing. I just tell it which way to go at the bottom. I said, at your level of golf, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because at their level of golf, they're just beginning. Right. And if they understand all they have to do is move a club in the, in the direction that it is actually spinning, to, they can fix this last shot. If it's spun to the right, they need to move the club more to the right, which is counterintuitive to people. Yeah. Right? It is. It is. But that's, that's the whole thing is that the people that think, well, if it's going right, then I need to swing it more left. And the truth is that's what makes it go more right, <laughs> curve of all. <laughs> so I try to get them to swing in the direction of the curve of the last one, and then it minimizes the curve because then they're swinging closer to where their club face is pointed, and that all works out, and they hit straighter shots, and they just look at me like I'm some sort of mathematical wizard. And I didn't <laughs> And the truth is, is I don't like doing the math, so I don't use mathematical terms. I just like fixing people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Turn it this way. Yeah. When you had an angle of attack, didn't oh, you? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 
Every yeah. once in a while, I'll shake up the language because I work with a lot of engineers because here in Columbus, Indiana, it's the home of Cummins Engine Company, their, their world headquarters, and they bring in a bunch of smart people from all over the world. And, you know, there's an awful lot of engineers in this town. So I get to work with a, a high number of engineers and sometimes I'll, I'll shake it up and I'll, and I'll throw out terms like impact and launch angle and spin rate and they'll just go crazy. Oh, they're into that. Oh, yeah, they'll go crazy. Yeah. You know, if I show them launch monitor numbers, oh, man. They could stand there and stare at that grid for an hour looking at those numbers going, oh, look at that. Like, yeah. How would you want to look at all those numbers? Do you think they have any idea what they mean or are they just enthralled with the fact that they've got a lot of numbers to look oh, at? Oh, yeah. When they see face angle and they see angle of attack and they see the, the, the swing direction, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe the thing is going 6.2 degrees to the left of target line. Mm -hmm. Oh, they go crazy over that stuff. Really? Instead of just going like the normal person going, just make it better, man. Just make yeah. it better. Yeah. Okay. You, just, you know all that stuff. Just make it make me better now. You got a half hour. Let's go. Right, so I once said, make it stop, Jeff. Make it stop. <laughs> Every iron shot goes to the left, Jeff. Make yeah, right. it stop. <laughs> but I think that's the most fun about me being able to teach in, in half hour increments to a lot of people is because they're there to pay me for my expertise and for them to walk away better in a half an hour. And they yeah. do. Sometimes they don't require a whole lot, but the engineers, man, they go crazy. They love that. Yeah, yeah I'm sure they probably memorize those numbers and work with them and yeah. dream about them. And You know, they usually they have me, you know, they hit a bunch of shots on the launch monitor and they yeah. say, can you email me that grid? Like, <laughs> happy to do it. Knock yourself out, pal. Not a problem, buddy. No, I, I just, <laughs> give me your email address and boom, it's gone. They, they you know, right away. I sure as hell aren't going to use it. All right, man. Uh, let's, let's talk about some specifics uh, without the physics when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Be right back. Powered by Golf Talk America, of course, at audioboom.com, the Golf Talk America Network. Thanks for hanging. We are back those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He's Jeff Smith from Trepper Producer Mark Cutter has uh, found uh, better places to hang out this week. So, you know, hopefully he'll come back rested and in a much better mood. He's been rather surly the past uh, past couple of weeks, and we Where apologize for that. Where I'm did not, he go? Uh, an undisclosed location. I think he was Up afraid. for again, huh? Uh, he's afraid we call him back. Yeah, because yeah. last time he went on vacation, he said, uh, tropical rainforest, no cell service. Sorry about your luck. Cute bartenders and no cell service, and he's a happy camper. You know. <laughs> uh, you you were talking, uh, of course, about engineers being enthralled with the numbers. Uh, normal people, the rest of us, uh, are enthralled with results. Yeah. And why don't we start what what some people may think is backwards, um, but it's it's the right order to go in for scoring purposes. Most most of us need help putting. Yeah, but boy, uh, they think that's boring at all. They they want to sit there and bang drivers, and they think that's going to affect their score more than their putter. Yeah, there's not as many cool numbers with putters, you know. Although well, there the, can be, but you know, we try not to show people those either. <laughs> I think the engineering in a in a putter manufacturer is probably a little more involved than anything else. But uh, real simple, when you were on vacation. Yeah, uh, we had the lovely and talented Brooke Watts on, and she was saying that she teaches all of her students to put their eyes directly over the ball when they're aiming. That helps out so many people. Not everybody fits that perfectly, mm -hmm. but the vast majority of people see 
the line that they're trying to set their putter on and stroke it down better if their eyes are over that line. Not everybody, but the vast majority of people. I like to get people to see their line, and so I'll give them a test to see how they see first before I tell them to get their eyes over the line. Okay. I will take a couple of sticks, some of those, um, <clears throat> some of those alignment rods. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they use some yardsticks, and I put them in a straight line, one just past the other, but I separate the two lines by about two feet. So okay. they're not touching each other. So there's a gap of, you know, some space in between. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I tell them to get into, the, into a putting stance position so that they can see that both of those are actually in line with each other. And wherever they stand to do that, that's how I have them stand to hold their putters. Oh, okay. All because right. the key here is to be able to see your line and set up to it. Right, exactly. And that is a little test that works with every single person I have ever seen, and they get it so that they can see their, where their putter face is aimed, and they can see their, the line that they're trying to stroke the ball on immediately. Now, most people will be with their eyes right over that line, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. Some people are you know, an inch inside. Some people are an inch outside, but I get them to see it first. Yeah. And I was noticing watching the U.S. Open, um, many of the pros are not directly over the ball. Right. Is that just because they're better? They no. don't have to be? Just how they see it. And sometimes it's the I camera guess. angle you're looking at, too. That's true, too. Yeah. You know, if the camera's not in the right spot, you really can't see if their eyes are truly where they are. But almost everybody that's been tested is over the ball to about an inch and a half inside the ball. Okay. So, US, or not the USG, but a lot of, a lot of teachers, um, they do an awful lot of testing and they post those results and they're saying, here's, here's what we're finding in terms of, um, you know, the range of, of all these, of all these great players. We just test them. They do yes. that by, and they do that by uh, taking pictures when they're putting and they get the camera in exactly the right spot, the same spot per golfer. So that way they have a consistent tool of measurement and then they just do a little bit of engineer math and they figure out just how far away they are in their eye okay. line. Yep. All right. Well, that makes perfect sense to me, it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, because people can see better. And the thing that I find out when they can see better is they actually can line their putters up better, you know, because the putter face angle is the most important thing in in putting because there's, a, yeah, sure, there's a stroke and it is moving into the golf ball from a certain angle. But really, since we're talking about such a defined, uh, teeny tiny little precise line that we're trying to hit it on, the putter face angle is the number one thing that you have to get right when setting it up okay. and delivering. And then the next thing is, is you know, if you're talking about making putts, you, know, you certainly have to have the skill of, of reading the green. That is ultimately a great skill. And... and is that something you can teach? Oh, yeah. I do it all the time. Because I don't, uh, you know, we've had this discussion. Now, I've never been on a green with you face-to-face -face while you're trying to get me to read one. Yeah. And that may make all the difference in the world. But yeah, if you spend an hour with me on a putting green, you would be right. one of the greatest green readers going because we're going to use our feet, we're going to use our brains, and we're going to use some common sense. Okay. And, you know, I teach with the, the aim point system, and I teach 
somewhat the aim point system with other people and I teach other people different ways because not everybody can feel certain things because they won't calibrate themselves. They won't, they won't learn that feel. Yeah. But there's a lot of common sense going on here. If, if they, if they're listening to it and they're really paying attention to it, that they are understanding there's really nothing hard about this, about learning to read a green. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is have an open mind and understand that there's always slope on right. the green. Yeah. And where you are in relationship to the slope, where the hole is in relationship to the slope. And, you know, when you do these things, you've got to figure out where this ball has to go just by understanding where the fall line is, the straight up and down putt, you know, the one straight up, mm-hmm. up into the hole or the one straight down above the hole. Right. And everything else will move towards center all the time. Okay. It's just a you matter ever, of how much. You ever tried those little uh, ball uh, markers that have the little level in them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have those, and I show people those. I've got a dozen of those things, and what I'll do is I'll just put them in a line, and I'll, and I'll say, look at this little bubble. Is it level here? No, it's not. Sometimes I'll just set my cell phone down on the surface, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's you know, level to the surface, and then they could see it. Right. Because they see the, the bottom, they see the edges of the cell phone, they see that it's actually on a tilt. Right. Yeah. And, and what I love to do is I will put that thing right on the hole right away. And I will put it there and they'll look at it and they're like, there's no way that that's flat. I'm like, you're right. Right. Why aren't you looking at the hole every single time? Just to look at it for the very first piece of information you ever needed is to look at the hole itself, the circle that's cut into the ground mm-hmm. and figure out where the high side is. And then kind of look at it and go, how high is it? And then you can go stand behind it, you know, from where your ball is. You can go directly to the opposite side and, and put your feet on the opposite side of the hole there. And you can feel quite a bit or a little bit or barely any. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that and you haven't stepped in your line. Okay. And it's just, it's unbelievable to just think at that point, if you know that there's tilt right there at the hole, could you point your ball and aim your ball at the center of the hole and have it go in. And the answer 99% of the time is no. (laughs) (laughs) No way. (laughs) Which means that you have only a half of a hole that works and everything on the other half of the hole, you know, from the center line over, no longer is anywhere you can aim. Yeah. Well, you know, that that starts to make sense, which is a scary thing when you start to make sense to me just by talking to me. certainly is. Uh, We were talking earlier about uh, face angle for irons. Let's uh, delve deeply into that when we come right back. We're all those weekend golf guys. Don't you move. Hey, thanks for hanging through the break. We are all those weekend golf guys. Uh, Audioboom.com, Golf Talk American Network, or just a simple search for those weekend golf guys. Thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Check out the website. Go to facebook.com slash golf guys and like us there or follow us on Twitter at WKND Golf Guys, and you won't miss out on anything we're doing, including some, uh, some pretty cool videos that uh, Jeff is putting together to help everybody learn. Now, earlier in the show, Jeff mentioned his uh, – his, his run-in with a bunch of engineers. And, yep. and the, uh, the, the idea that if your club face is, is to the right, that's where the ball's going to go. Unless, that's where it's going to start. 
swinging to the right, at which point it's going to go to the left, and, and that just gets everyone confused. But one of the things that really confuses people is when they set up, being able to tell without attaching something straight to the club face and seeing where it points exactly where the club face is pointing. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. So here's a thought for you. If you're really, if you're practicing, certainly not when you're on the golf course, but when you're practicing, you know, if you can't attach something to the face, you can put something down right in front of the face, like say a cell phone. Mm -hmm. You can leave the face of the club exactly where it is, knock the ball away. I do this with putting and I do this with, um, when I'm working with students out on the range is if they're curious as to where that thing really is and what it looks like, I'll just take the, the long skinny end of my, my cell phone and lay it down and put it right up flush against their face so that it, the phone extends outward into wherever it is pointed. And then I have them pull the club away and walk behind and look at that. And then they go, Oh, <laughs> I didn't know I was that far off. And so you could do it with, um, you know, let's say you don't want to use your cell phone, but you want to, you know, use something else. Pick anything. Take a golf tee. Most people have those laying around on the driving range. Just take the head of the tee and press it up against the, the leading edge of the face. And wherever that thing points is wherever the club face is pointed. It's a great tool. Everybody's got them. They're laying around all over the driving range. Pick a few of them up. Use them as you know, proof that says my club face is pointed here as it sits on the ground. So that way they can look at it and know what it is they're looking at and kind of calibrate themselves to that. Because most people, they th what they think is straight isn't at all where they think they're pointed. Yeah, exactly. The, the perception that you get from over a club or behind a club or whatever when you set up is very far off from reality in many cases. Yeah, and, and the truth is is that it's really delivery that we care about the most, but the truth is is that for the most part, we are really good at aiming and delivering to about the same place. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, it's really about where you delivered it to. Right. I could aim 20 yards right of where I wanted my ball to end up and still get my ball to end up there all the time. Or I could aim at 20 yards left and aim it there because that's what happens when people are out there trying to play their slice. Mm -hmm. creating their slice, but they're trying to play it. You know, well, my ball always curves right, so I'm going to swing this thing, aim this thing way left, so that way I can play the accommodation. So, you know, what I'm saying about aim is it's really helpful, although it's not the end-all, be-all, but it really does keep people swinging and having their club face facing that way, and most people's brains work that way. Mm -hmm. in terms of, okay, here's this bowling alley that I'm trying to hit it down this lane. And right. I need to keep it between the gutters. So if they have this visual in their head that they're pointed in the same direction that the club face is pointed and that direction is their target zone, then they're all in pretty good shape mentally. And then they can try to deliver it back there and play good golf. But not every golfer does that and not every great golfer does that. But Nonetheless, the majority of golfers really probably ought to be doing that. Yeah. It's, again, back to the perception thing, because you and I have had the conversation numerous times that to set up for a, a, a good iron shot, um, the, the head of the club should be basically in the middle of my body, and the ball should be just a tad to the left of that middle line. And I had been doing that, and I had still been hitting it to the left. At least I thought I had been doing that. One day I got smart. 
One day I put the club behind the ball set up like I normally do and then just moved my body close and found out where on my body the, the grip actually hit. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was way front of center. So The grip itself? Yeah. Or the ball? The grip. Okay. So, so I was... It could be front of center. Well, the, I had, when I held it straight, not when I was setting up okay. to hit. Right. When I held it straight to see where the, the club okay. was, it was the only, you know, because the club head is not I'm not going to get down that low to see where the club head is touching right. my body. But the, the club itself was in front of the center line of my body, even though my eyes saw it as being center or maybe even a little behind the club. Right. End. So I had to make that adjustment visually now. So now I know that when it looks like it's behind where it should be, it's where it should be. So I have a thought for you. Okay. So that you can kind of get your perspective back because mm-hmm. perspective is really, you think it's one thing and if it's really right. something different, your perspective is off. Yeah, exactly. All right. So in order to get your perspective back, let's say that you were going to, I don't know, practice. Uh, okay. Let's say that. Let's yeah. say that just for conversation's <laughs> sake because the rest of the listening audience will probably actually practice. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to act like you're going to do it too. All right. I know this is a big stretch here. So let's just say that you were going to take a club and you were going to put it underneath your body, bisecting you from left side to right. So your mm-hmm. spine would be sitting over the butt end of that club. So it sticks out in between your legs, you know, like you would lay it down in between your legs facing the same direction your body's facing. And if you do that, then you'll know where the center line of your body is if you're not tilted or twisted. You just stand over that, and then what you would do is you would uh, put the club on the extension of that line of the club that's laying on the ground straight out in front of you. Mm -hmm. And then you would see the ball is either A, on the left side of it, B, somewhat touching that center line, or C, to the right side of it. Mm -hmm. Your ball position. Right. You could see it because you have a reference point. Right. So that would be a thing that people do when they practice. Gives you oh. feedback. Oh. I know I have to explain oh. this because it's like talking oh. to someone who has never done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have our own ways of finding our, uh, our reference points and uh, getting our perspective correct. So let's think about other things. Let's say that you are not a practicer by nature. Okay. Oh, yeah, let's just let's, let's say a, that. A totally hypothetical situation. Right. How would you create the knowledge of where the center line of your body is? Well, let's see. Let's mark some points on your body that you know are in the absolute center. Okay? Mm-hmm. Nose, sure. your mouth, yeah. your chin, belly button, your throat, your sternum, your belly button, the zipper mm-hmm. on your pants, uh-huh. and then you'd go right out from there, right? That's pretty simple. Yeah. That's the center line of your body. Yeah. And, you, and if you knew where the center line of your body was pointing, Well, then you're in pretty good shape, but that also means that your body, you know, like your shoulder line and your leg line, if you put a club across your shoulders and had a 90 degree line sticking out from, say, the center line of your body that I just described, Mm -hmm. actually see that you're pointed in line with your target Mm -hmm. and you could actually see the center line of your body and you'd know where you'd want to set the club and you'd know where you'd want to set the ball. That's kind of interesting. Those are for people who who would do that on the golf course um, to, to play better when they really didn't go to do it very often at a different location where lots of people go. <laughs> like a practice facility? 
<laughs> seen one of those things? Yeah, yes, I have. Have them, and they actually have special places that are don't even have golf courses for people to go to do that. It's really- I drive. I drive by one of them on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, do you hit the accelerator? <laughs> uh, in fact, there's there's even a practice facility at my favorite golf course that's um, that's on the way to the bar. So. That's, we'll just keep it at that. But but back to the, uh, the the angle of the face. This is something I think bears repeating because if you set up and the face is pointed to the right, your ball's going to go to the left, or is it the swing that if you swing to the right, your ball's well, going to go to the left? Let's let's remember the simple facts of physics. If the club is pointed right, excuse at me, the time it touches it. Excuse me. Yeah. Let me just preface this. I took physics. There are no simple facts. Okay. In physics. All right. So let's let's say it this way. Let's say that the simple concept okay. of physics, that if my club is pointed somewhere at the time it touches, that's the direction that my ball will leave the face of it. Mm-hmm. So if my ball if my club at the time it touches my ball is pointed to the right of the target line or the line of swing, the ball will leave that direction. Mm-hmm. But it's very possible that I'm having my swing go farther to the right of that target line and farther to the right of that face position, and then that will be my club swiping across the golf ball and spinning it back to the left. So it's very possible that my ball could start out to the right of the target line because my face is pointed there, and it could very possible for the ball to spin back toward the target because I'm swinging further right, otherwise known as a beautiful draw. Right, I was going to say, Jeff. Jeff has either just described how to hit a terrible shot or a wonderful draw. You can take it however you want to do that. It's it's time to pull out the big sticks. Let's talk about drivers when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys, powered by Golf Talk America. Don't you move. Welcome back, those weekend golf guys. John Ashton in studio, Jeff Smith, the golf cave at Otter Creek. Plain and simple golf school. We've been going through some quick fixes uh, uh, throughout the course of the hour here, and now it's time to come down to what everybody wants to do. Hit it further off the tee. Impress all those people in the clubhouse watching you on the first tee. How do you do it? Well, a couple things. Um, as soon as you hit it, take four steps backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Big steps. Big steps. <laughs> Like all the way back to the next tee box behind you. <laughs> Say, wow. <laughs> Holy smokes, I got all of that one. <laughs> no, there's a couple things. Um, you know, the, the, let's talk about it like the average Joe golfer that gets out there. First tee, you know, haven't made a lot of golf swings yet. A couple things that are necessary. First, um, I like to talk to my students about kind of wiping everything else out of their mind, like their buddies who were jaw-jacking at them the sense of, oh my gosh, I'm on the first tee and there's a whole bunch of people waiting behind me and they're looking at me, a whole lineup of people. Let's, right. try, to, let's try to erase all those things from the mind right now. It's hard to do, but truly a, a cluttered mind is certainly not going to be helpful to hit a good golf shot. So I always try to find each student's way of saying, all right, forget all that nonsense. I'm going to go clobber this thing. So what I try to get them to understand is the only thing that's necessary at that moment is to visualize a spot right out in front of the golf ball on their target line that they're going to make their club face pass through. Okay. And they're going to concentrate like mad 
on that because then they're going to set their body up so that they can swing straight through to that. And then I'll have them actually do a couple of little waggles, you know, the waggle where you kind of cock your wrist back to the right and, you know, for right-handed golfers. And then you kind of deliver it back to straight. You know, you've seen Ben Hogan do it. You've seen Jason Duffner do it. A little bit of a hand wiggle right Mm -hmm. there kind of loosens up the wrist, kind of makes it easy to do. And it's also a really good thing to get them feeling what their hands are going to do there. Okay. I like to give them a visual of what they're about to do as opposed to thinking about their golf swing. Most people have too much going on in their heads and we've got to minimize it and we've got to turn it into a direction of something positive, something that's about to happen that's going to be good because we need to increase their opportunity to do that. Right. So I'm always working on their mind on the very first tee box because a lot of times it sets up their mood for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you go cold top one off the first tee and, you know, you're hanging your head and you're trying to get in the cart as quick as possible and get the living snot out of there, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right. So I try to work on their mind because the first tee shot is more mental than it is physical because that same physical body on the 13th tee box is going to be better than that same physical body on the number one tee box. It just is. Yeah. So I'm trying to work out some things for the golfer that they can use while they're on the golf course. So I do this in my, in my playing lessons and I tell people, Hey, here's what you're going to try to do. And then I try to make sure that they practice the, the hand, the, the, the waggle back and forth. And I try to make them do a few waggles that they're kind of feeling like their hands are throwing the club head down to the golf ball in this mini little waggle swing. So what they get, is a, a full wrist cock back and a full wrist cock forward, not a anything that's going to hold on tight. We want their hands to be nice and, and soft. And then I'll tell them, hey, let's go behind the golf ball and focus on a spot out into the fairway and high above it so that you're going to see your ball piercing in the air that direction. And I'm going to give them those images, and then I'm going to show them how to align themselves properly and then – tell themselves right away, I'm going to hit it that direction Mm -hmm. and then tell them to go. So if you notice, almost everything I've just said is in the mind and not in the swing, right? Right. There's only one thing that's swing related and it was the hand thing. Right. The waggle. Because on the first tee, I'm not trying to get them to change their golf swing. It's crazy. Yeah. People mess up on the first tee is in their mind unless they're just flat out a bad golfer. But let's just say that they're, you know, uh, an, an 80s to low 90s shooter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, all they're looking for is a good start. Yeah. And, and we're not looking to, when they get to the golf course, we're not looking to change their golf swings. We're trying no. to change what they think and how they believe about what they're going to do. And it, I'm stunned at how many people can pull off better shots by telling themselves what they're going to do, kind of like calling your shot. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me how many times I work with people that they get so much better when they're on the golf course, when I can get them to focus on what they're going to do that's positive, as opposed to letting their mind go to wherever crazy place it takes them to. Oh, wasn't it the 100% of golf was 80% mental or something like that? Um, not quite sure how the numbers work out. You're the numbers guy. Get one of your engineers on the phone. Maybe we That's can get that ratio. Well, the problem is, is that they, they think in terms of uh, 
physics and math calculations and this is a brain function so really who i need to be talking to is a sports psychologist you know yeah like like friend of the show dr gary sales yeah we'll get dr gary back on here we'll talk about that but i mean it is it is definitely and anybody who's been on a first tee um you know that your drive is usually better if you're alone on the first tee than if you happen to be in um in a group with four or five groups behind you waiting. Yeah, especially if they're a bunch of hyenas like the clowns I play with. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you know them, it's, it's not quite as, as bad as if you don't know them because you assume that they're yeah. making judgments, especially when you top the first one and you reach down and put a second ball down there right in the face of the no mulligans on the first tee sign. Yeah. That has a tendency to tick people off who are behind you. Well, all you do is you just say, hey, I just declared that other ball unplayable. Yeah. And when and when you hear and when you hear the guys <laughs> behind you after you drive go oh god this is going to be a long day you right. know that that's not what you want to hear you know right exactly <laughs> and that's the fear in everybody's mind it's a social fear you know of being viewed as inadequate or poor or you know whatever right so that's why you know I'm always talking about the the mental end of this when it's it's time to be on the golf course. Because really, that's the part that, that makes people better. And it's also the part that takes people who have skill, physical skills to get it done. It's why it takes them down. Yeah, exactly. Their, their mental skill, their emotional skill has not yet been developed. Um, and they don't have thick enough skin yet. Would you suggest that maybe a few moments prior to your tea time on the practice tea might be a good way to help you get that mental state correct? I'll tell you what, what I like to have people do before they go, let's just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot on this one. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that you showed up for your tea time a whole half hour early and you're waiting around. What I'm yeah. going to have you do is I'm going to have you go make a bunch of short putts. Yeah. And then I'm going to have you chip some. And then I'm going to have you stand around and feel a good golf swing and just stand there and loosen up. Yeah. And then I'll have you go, if, you're, if, you're, if the driving range is right nearby, I'm going to have you go hit a couple of short irons. Right. And then a couple of drivers. Okay. And just have good contact. Yeah. And walk to the tee and be ready. Yeah. Use it as a loosening up period, but also use it as a period where you gain confidence. Right. That's the point I was trying to make. Of short yeah. putts. Yeah. When you go make a bunch of short putts, you're, the chipping gets easier. Because if you just went and you missed a bunch of short putts, now there's pressure on your chipping. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> in because I just missed about 18 short two-footers in the run. Okay, so you go bang in a whole bunch of short putts because then you get to see a ball go into the hole, hear it go into the hole, reach down and pick it up out of the hole a bunch of times. Right. What a great thing to do. Yeah. And so that you start off that way by getting some confidence. Go chip, go hit some short irons. Why? Because short irons are easy to hit solidly and go up in the air and go where you want. They look pretty. And they give you confidence. Right. And then stand there and make a bunch of practice swings and then hit a few drivers for confidence and then go. That's what I would tell you to do. Now, that's if you, John, would ever show up at the right time and actually practice beforehand. You know, show up a half hour early because you don't want to be late for your tea time. But. There's that whole drinking coffee, walking around, <laughs> fingering all the shirts, picking up a dozen balls. <laughs> One time. Ask, asking the guy, hey, does this look all right? Does this make me look fat? 
<laughs> suggest to you that you uh, <laughs> instead of doing that, check out the uh, check out the what the driving range tee looks like. There's actually a bunch of divots out there. It's a place. It's like a big plateau with a with a whole bunch of divots made. I've seen it. Like I said, I've driven by it many occasions. Okay, just check. Right. Appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe uh, someday down the road, after we get uh, mentally uh, honed in, you can go through uh, increasing the swing speed and the stuff that we need to do to actually hit it farther. Yeah, not just confidently, but farther, farther, longer. Farther. Whatever the word is there. Yeah. So that will, be, that will be a reason for you to come back next time. Okay. Thank Can you. Here too? Uh, you're contractually obligated. Thoseweekendgolfguys.com <laughs> is the website. Uh, Facebook.com slash golfguys. Like us there. Follow us on Twitter at WKND Golf Guys. Uh, iTunes. You can go there and like it and follow it and listen whenever you want to. Audioboom.com. Audioboom. The Golf talk american network those weekend golf guys do the search we are there until we can speak again go play some golf hey maybe practice a little bit couldn't hurt you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.